Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church, also known as the North Pole this morning. Welcome on this Valentine's Day, this day of love. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. We gather here in the name of love itself, love incarnate. Gather here together in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ to come together to worship on this day. Thank you for everybody who's here in our sanctuary, and we certainly offer our greetings to everybody who is worshiping with us online. Thank you for joining us in the comfort of your home this morning. Stay home, stay warm, stay safe, but enjoy this time of worship, all of us from Germantown Presbyterian Church. If you are worshiping with us at home, you can certainly find today's bulletin online. You'll find it at the church website. There's a tab that says Sunday Resources, Church Bulletins. You can find it there. You can find it on the sermons.net page as well, a PDF of the Sunday Morning Bulletin uh, saved there also. So please do download the bulletin. Follow along with us at home as we worship together. We will do all the, all the different elements of worship together. Even though we're scattered and we're apart, we are united by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. And so we join together on this worship today. Please do sign the online friendship pad. If you're worshiping with us at home, there's a tab there also on the front of the church website that you can see that says uh, online friendship pad. And if you're worshiping with us at home, please take a moment to fill that out. And then especially if you're a visitor, if you're worshiping with us and you're just checking us out, you're curious about uh, us as a church, whether you live here in the greater Memphis area or whether you live uh, further afield, we'd be delighted if you would sign our online friendship pad. Please do that. Well, it's a little bit different today because of the snow, and it's snowing outside right now, a nice little Germantown winter wonderland, and we anticipate getting more snow later on this afternoon and then, of course, into the evening and tomorrow as well. So we've made the decision to cancel this afternoon's youth group meetings and to cancel this evening's evening worship that uh, we will we'll be right back up next week. They've got a great program planned, and uh, it's always disappointing when you have to cancel something that you've been working hard, and Christopher and Anna have been working hard on youth group this evening. All of our musicians have been working hard getting ready for our evening worship service, but in the interest of safety, we're going to cancel those for this evening. So please do make plans for next week for coming to both youth group and the evening service that will be at 6. February 17th, this coming Wednesday, is Ash Wednesday, and we are currently still on for our Ash Wednesday service uh, that evening at 6.30. We're currently still on for our Ash Wednesday drive-through experience for those who cannot be here for worship on Ash Wednesday evening at 6.30. From 4 to 6, we're going to have a drive-through off of Arthur Road, coming under the covered uh, drop-off area and then going down uh, the parking lot where you'll receive uh, various things from devotional books for people of all ages to uh, if you come to the drive-through, the new church uh, clothing. We've got hats and visors. We've got t-shirts. We've got sweatshirts. So if you come to the drive-through, then you're going to get a a freebie. And it's sort of a, a grab bag. You don't know what you're getting, whether it's a hat or a shirt, and you don't know what size you may get. But Um, We want to start promoting GPC and engaging with each other in our community. And so someone donated a a wonderful set of sweatshirts and hats and visors and all those things I mentioned. So we're going to start wearing those around the community. And they look fantastic, by the way. I should have worn 
my hat this morning. But um, anyway, come through the drive-through on Wednesday, and you'll get that. You'll get a devotional booklet, and you'll get lots of other um, uh, materials. Plus, at the end, a safe imposition of the ashes on the forehead with a Q-tip. So we're still on for that for Wednesday. If the weather uh, necessitates that we cancel that, we'll try to announce it um, by, by Tuesday evening so we'll have plenty of time to prepare. And uh, we'll get that out on social media. We'll put it out on our website. We'll put it out in all the ways we can through a church email. So be on the lookout for the, uh, the news about the Wednesday evening service. Our general rule of thumb is that when the Germantown Municipal School Systems close then our office closes and our activities close as well. So we'll make a call. Uh, We'll make the call Tuesday around uh, midday or so about what to expect for Wednesday. But you know what the, the, the the rule of thumb that trumps everything else is? Don't come if you don't feel safe. <laughs> um, you don't have to come. We'd love for you to come if we're on. But if, if for any reason you can't make it, then, then please know that that's perfectly all right. So be on the lookout for that. Be also on the lookout to sign up for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Guess Who's Zooming to Dinner next Saturday night. You will uh, see the link in the bulletin. You'll see it also in church promotions. Signing up for Guess Who's Zooming to Dinner, a variation of our normal guess who's coming to dinner, where you will eat in the comfort of your own home, but then you will be, uh, when you link on, you'll be in the large group with everybody, but then you'll be put into a Zoom room with different church members, and it's going to be really fun. I think the, the, the event is always fun, but then it'll be really fun to be with people that, uh, that you may not know as well as others, and um, I guess if you're having a miserable time, you can just click and hang up. I mean, you, it's easier than leaving somebody's house, I guess. So, um, but, but click on and let's do that, and it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, um, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's an Italian theme, and you'll see directions about that. So please sign up for Guess Who's Zooming to Dinner. Friends, on Tuesday, we'll have a very special ceremony, a special worship service in here in our sanctuary at 2 p.m. for the family of Tom Cates. So it's a family-only memorial service Tuesday at 2, but it will be live-streamed. And so I encourage you to join the live stream. It will start, you know, roughly 15 uh, minutes before, and the family will be here. No outside uh, guests, no outside visitors, but you can certainly join in the family as we celebrate Tom's life, and we celebrate his accomplishments, and more than anything else, we worship God in thanksgiving for all uh, that Tom accomplished. So that's at 2 o'clock. It'll be live-streamed for, for everybody with the family only being here in the sanctuary. Please do join that. And uh, uh, again, that's, that's going to happen uh, pretty much no matter what at that time. So you can always join in and worship God and remember Tom Tuesday at 2 p.m. And speaking of pillars of the church, we had a service yesterday for Betty Green. Betty died uh, since last week, since uh, we met last week, and so we are so grateful for Betty's life. If you didn't know Betty, she was really a remarkable woman. She joined the church. I looked it up this morning. She joined on May the 7th, 1961. So six decades of her Christian life lived out in this fellowship. And uh, some of you might remember, you might remember her uh, beloved husband, Clifford, and she lost him in 1981, um, but she, I hope you'll go read her obituary. 
It was, on, uh, it was in a church email that we sent out, and I left some of the bulletins uh, from the funeral service yesterday in the narthex. I hope you'll pick one up on the way out. It, the the obituary is probably also on the Memorial Park website as well. It wasn't in the newspaper, so you won't find it there, but you'll find it in some other sources. And you'll just see what a remarkable person she was. She was a, an accomplished equestrian, and she was so athletic. She played tennis. She played golf. She uh, shot trap. Um, she was instrumental in so many of the things of the building up of Germantown as a community in the second half of the 20th century, from the 50s all the way through through the end of, uh, of that century. So just what a remarkable, instrumental person. What a great Christian woman here in our congregation for such a, a long, long time. And so we give thanks to God for Betty Green. We're, we always regret when we can't have these communal worship services, these funeral services where we worship God together as a community because that's just essential to who we are when someone dies. But nevertheless, we give thanks to God for her life. We celebrate her life. Please pray for her family. You know Susan Jones, uh, who's a member of our own church, Susan Green Jones. You know uh, David Green, her son, who was uh, in our choir, was instrumental here, but has moved to Middle Tennessee um, Cliff Green as well. Please pray for, for Betty's children. Pray for her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren as we celebrate her life together. Friends, those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. God calls us together from all directions, all backgrounds, all families, to worship our Creator and Savior. God is worthy of worship, and we are glad for this day. Please stand for our call to worship. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silent. Before the Lord is a devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around. The Lord calls to the heavens above and to the earth in order to judge his people. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare the righteousness of God, our judge. The God we worship knows us well. If we say we are without sin, we deceive only ourselves. Let us confess our sin and acknowledge our need for grace. Let us pray. Almighty God, the Holy One, the giver of good, you love justice, mercy, and righteousness. We make decisions for all of these 
when it's convenient. When our self-interests contradict your justice, we often sin. When our politics tell us to be merciless, we often are. When doing right conflicts with our desires, we often ignore your goodwill for us. Have mercy on our sinful selves, we pray, in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God's goodness knows no bounds. God's mercy is rich and deep. In the name of Jesus Christ and by his obedience, I declare to you that we are forgiven in his name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and also with you. As our children come forward for their time with Miss Anna, please greet one another in the sanctuary by waving at them. And please remember everyone in our church family. Pray for them and extend your love to them on this day. Please call your friends in Christ and check on them and their well-being. Good morning, boys and girls. How are you? Or boy and girl, how are you? <laughs> I know there's other boys and girls on the screen, so boys and girls works. Are y'all doing well today? Excited about the snow? I know, it's so exciting to have snow in the south. It's, um, as a kid, I remember that. It's so exciting. We're excited at our house, too. And we're excited for a great week coming up. It's the start of a season called Lent. In the church, and we're going to talk about that a little bit at Sunday school today. Um, but I hope your family, if we have good weather, we'll see how it goes. We'll drive by this week and get a little packet of information from us and devotional and a little family devotional so that we can spend the next 40 days of Lent just thinking about Jesus in our life. And as those 40 days go by, we'll get closer to Easter when we'll celebrate that he rose from the dead. So it's a really good time to just get our hearts in the right place, to think about Jesus. And I have a little family devotional that families can do together. Maybe you can do it once a week. It's a good way to spend a little bit of time once a week with your family, just thinking about Jesus and how he lives in your heart and how you can go out and serve him, okay? So I'm going to give you this to take home. And I hope to see lots of families this week draft by if we can. If not, we'll have these devotionals around the church for everyone to pick up. So will you bow your heads with me and we'll say a prayer, okay? Dear Father, thank you so much for the snow. 
Thank you for the season of Lent so we can keep our hearts on Jesus. Amen. Let us turn to God in prayer. Holy God, source of all light, by your word you give light to the soul. Just as you bless the prophets Elijah and Elisha with your spirit, so too pour out upon us your spirit of wisdom and understanding, that our hearts and minds may be open to know the things that pertain to life and holiness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from Psalm 99, verses 1 through 9. Let us hear God's word to us. The Lord is king. Let the peoples tremble. The Lord sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. The Lord is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is the Lord. Mighty King, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Extol the Lord our God. Worship at the Lord's footstool. Holy is the Lord. Moses and Aaron were among the Lord's priests. Samuel also was among those who called on the Lord's name. They cried to the Lord, and the Lord answered them. The Lord spoke to them in a pillar of cloud. They kept the Lord's decrees and the statutes that the Lord gave to them. O Lord, our God, you answered them. You are a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Extol the Lord, our God, and worship at the Lord's holy mountain, for the Lord, our God, is holy. Our New Testament lesson comes from the Gospel of Mark. It's this story that we often hear on the Sunday before Ash Wednesday, Transfiguration Sunday, and it is the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. And so it comes today from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And then there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice saying, This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to Him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, He ordered them to tell no one 
about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me ask you if you've ever found yourself in a situation that was both beautiful and fearful at the same time. A couple of years ago, we were in Colorado on spring break, two years ago in fact, and the mountaintop views there were astounding. If you've ever been out west and stood near the top of the Rockies, you know what that view is like, that, that incredible mountain grandeur, that beautiful view on a sunny day where it looks like you can just see for miles and miles over the horizon. It's like you're on the roof of the world and you are looking out 25, 30, 50 miles over there. It's as if the world will never end. We got to see those beautiful views on the bright, sunny days that we were there. But on one particular day, March 13, 2019, to be precise, a kind of meteorological miracle happened that's known as a bomb cyclone. Now, I had never heard that term before, and apparently not Many people out there had either because they didn't know what was going on either. Some of them didn't. It happens apparently rarely. It's this weather phenomenon that includes all kinds of of strange happenings, mainly a rapid drop in pressure that causes these incredible storms to go on. So there was for that day several state records, a state record for a new record for a drop in low pressure on that day, also a state record for non-tornado-related wind gusts that were up to 96 miles per hour in a couple of parts of the state. And so the Denver airport was closed, Eagle airports, all these airports across the Midwest were all closed due to that meteorological miracle. And there was lots and lots of snow, snow upon snow on snow on that bleak midwinter day. And then after that, there was some more snow. And then some more snow. For us, it meant waking up in the mid, this, this 15 inches of snow that blanketed the ground all around us. And then after that, there was some more snow. Now, I don't know about you, but where I come from, this makes people freak out. The snow that we're having right now, um, even when there's a 10% chance of maybe some flurries, people will stampede the grocery store aisles. And when you look at the forecast for tonight and tomorrow, I guarantee you by 6 o'clock tonight, there won't be a gallon of milk within 100 miles of Memphis, Tennessee. People sort of freak out in that. But on that day, in that snowstorm, it was so beautiful. Absolutely beautiful to go outside in it, and then when you were in it, it was also a little fearful. It was a little frightening in that wide open mountaintop vista that we enjoyed the day before overnight was just completely covered in white. Clouds rolled over the mountains. I remember seeing them almost as if they were alive, roll over the mountains, and then they hung low at times. Then with the snow and the winds, you couldn't see anything. It was all completely white. This morning's New Testament lesson is about a mountaintop experience that was also beautiful and it was fearful. It's like other mountaintop experiences that we read about in the Bible. Here, Jesus takes these three disciples and you see Jesus take Peter, James, and John aside on several occasions. It's as if there is something 
so significant going on in Jesus' life that he wants these three particular disciples to whom he was probably the closest to, to go with him and to experience it with him. We see him take Peter, James, and John aside uh, during a certain couple of miracles, and he also takes Peter, James, and John aside when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. These intense moments of, of emotion, intense moments of being with God, Jesus shares them with these three disciples. So they go along with him up to this mountain. And Mark writes that Jesus was transfigured in front of them. He writes that his appearance, Jesus' appearance began to, to radiate, that he became so bright, brighter his clothes were than, than any bleach could ever make them whiter than dazzlingly white. Don't you know they had to shield their eyes because it was so bright? It's like when you walk outside on a bright day, when you've been inside, you shield your eyes because they almost can't stand it. Now, it's an interesting word that's used here, this word trans- transfigured. Word, this your word used by Matthew, Mark, and Luke in their Gospels. The actual word is a verb form of the Greek word for metamorphosis. So you know what a metamorphosis is. If something is morphed, if something changes meta in a big way, that's a big change. Now, this word is so unique, this verb form is so unique in the New Testament that it's actually only used here in this instance for the transfiguration because this is such a unique event. Such a strange and wonderful and glorifying event. It's used only here. His glorification is so totally unique and beautiful and fearful for those disciples. That's the way it is anytime we enter into the presence of the glory of God. Can you imagine what that must be like for, for anybody to be in the presence of the glory of God? It is so wonderful, you can't help but look, but at the same time it causes people just to come unglued because God is so holy, God is so powerful. It's a fearful moment for these disciples. Fearful also because, as if that weren't enough, Jesus' glorification, it's fearful also because two of the most important figures from the Old Testament also appear. They, they come in this moment from this cloud. They appear and they begin talking with Jesus, Moses and Elijah. Now, if I were Peter, James, or John, I would have been even more afraid to see Moses and Elijah, two of the most important people from the Old Testament, if not the most important right there, talking with Jesus. Now, you may have seen this on your bulletin cover when you picked it up, when you walked in, but you can see one beautiful depiction of of these figures there, this moment, this transfiguration depicted in art. Look at that visual there. See the symbolism around Moses. You can see Elijah as well. What do they represent? The law and the prophets. The law and the prophets. You'll, You'll see this reference several times in the New Testament. You'll see this phrase, the law and the prophets. And it's really a shorthand way of of trying to summarize summarize all of the the writings of the Old Testament. The law and the prophets. It's all the writings of the Jewish scriptures, all the history, all the Torah, all the prophets, all of that summed up in that phrase, the law and the prophets. 
Remember Moses, the lawgiver. He went up to Mount Sinai and he brought the law down to the people. Elijah spoke great justice and great truth to the king Ahab and queen Jezebel. They represent all about the Old Testament, all that the Old Testament is pointing to. Or to say it even better, the one to whom the whole Old Testament points. Jesus, the Son of God as the Messiah. The law and the prophets are all about pointing toward Jesus. So they're part of this mountaintop experience. Now, again, it's helpful to remember the law and the prophets and that history and remember Moses and Elijah in particular because both of them, you might remember, they both had their own mountaintop experiences. For Elijah, it happens when he has a bounty on his head. He is on the run for his life. He has called out Ahab and Jezebel for their idolatry and their injustice, mainly with Naboth's vineyard, and and Ahab stole land from another man. And so Elijah points it out. He denounces them publicly, and so they put a bounty on his head. They promise that he will die for what he has done to to embarrass them publicly. And so Elijah's on, on the run. He's extremely hungry. At one point in the desert, he just sits down under this, this broom tree, this small bush tree, and he wants to die. He even asked God to take his life. It would be better to die at God's hand than for Ahab and Jezebel to catch him and to kill him. So he says, Lord, just take me. And he falls asleep. And then God wakes him up and says, look, I want you to go to the top of this mountain. So Elijah climbs that mountain, and he obeys God, and then God, it says, passes by in front of Elijah. This is what 1 Kings 19 says. It says, now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains. It was breaking rocks in two before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After that, there was a wind. The Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a sound of sheer silence. Or some translations read, there was a gentle whisper. I like that sound, a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard the gentle whisper, he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave, and there the voice of God spoke to him. And a gentle whisper. When Elijah needed God the most, God was quietly there. Moses, you may remember, also met God at the top of a mountain. Moses was called by God to, to lead the people, called to be the leader of the Exodus, to liberate them from slavery. He does, and what do the people do? But grow increasingly stubborn. The people rebel, they complain against Moses, they complain against God, they create these idols. Moses is just fit to be tied. He's ready to give up. He's burned out. He's just ready to quit. He says, I just need some kind of sign. I need some sign, oh God, that this is worth it. It's worth it to keep going. And so we read about Moses' mountaintop experiences. In Exodus 24, he ascends this mountain to be with God, and it says this, When Moses went up the mountain, the the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from the cloud. 
To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. And Moses entered the cloud as he went up the mountain. In another place not far from here, it says, Moses entered the thick darkness where God was. You see, that cloud, that cloud for Moses, that was a place of grace, a place to meet God and to be with God. And so I want to ask you, apart from mountaintop experiences, what about the other end? What about those depth experiences? Do you ever feel like either Elijah or Moses in your life? You've got some major life crisis, some kind of roadblock, some kind of problem, some kind of broken relationship, some kind of broken heart. Maybe you've got lots of questions and no answers. We've all had those moments. I have. You have. We all have them no matter how great, no matter how strong your faith is. We all have those walks through the valley of the shadow. We wonder sometimes, is this really worth it? I don't understand. Is God really true? Is God real? Should I chuck it all and go my own way? If you've ever felt like that, then consider yourself blessed because you are not alone. You're in good company. Because so did Moses, so did Elijah, so do some of the most faithful people feel like that at times. And then look at where they are now. Look at where they are now. They're on a mountaintop with Jesus. See, theology has this word to describe this kind of moment. It's called a theophany. It's a combination of the Greek words for God, theos, and then the Greek verb to shine or to bring to light. So a theophany is an event that brings God to light or, or where God shines for you in a way in your life that's just beyond the ordinary. So these mountaintop experiences by Moses, by Elijah, these are theophanies. This moment by Jesus is a theophany where, where God becomes clearer for him. And his own purpose becomes clearer. But when God draws near to you, then your own life becomes clearer. A theophany is a kind of experience, you know, that just defies words. We try to capture them in words, but our words are limited. When we try to describe the unlimited God, we try to put them into words, but the ordinary just can't capture what's happened. And that mountaintop experience is so real for you, even if you can't quite say it and describe it. And sometimes you try to describe it to somebody else and you think, gosh, they're going to think I'm strange or weird, but it's so real. That mountaintop experience for you might actually happen on a mountaintop or by the ocean or on a retreat. Or for me, it's usually in the woods. You know where else it can happen? It can happen in a homeless shelter. It can happen by a hospital bed. It can happen in a hospice facility where the gentle whisper of God comes to you and, and just surrounds you and confirms for you that, that God does love you and that God cares for you, that God knows you better than anybody else, that God is with you no matter what. The voice of God reassuring you that God is always near you no matter what. Your theophany might come as you experience the glory of God in the natural world. It also might come when you experience the goodness of God and the pain of suffering. 
Because that's where a lot of people experience God the most. It's where God sometimes draws people the closest to Him. It's ironic, and it's so ironic, but it's so true that some people's mountaintop experiences happen in spiritual depths, like it did for Moses and Elijah. Elijah wants to die, and God rescues him. Moses is about to quit. He is so fed up at the end of his rope, and God reassures him. And this experience right here for Jesus this morning, this theophany comes for Jesus at such an important moment because we know what's about to happen. This is such a great reassuring moment of the Father's great love for him. This is my son, the beloved one. Listen to him. He has this moment now on account of what's about to happen because after he descends this Mount of Transfiguration, Then he goes and and stops what he has been doing for most of his ministry and begins going straight to Jerusalem. For most of his ministry before this, he has been in Galilee, teaching, healing, preaching, proclaiming the good news. But now, after this moment, he will, as Luke says, turn his face toward Jerusalem. He will make a path for Jerusalem. And the only reason he goes to Jerusalem is to go to die on the cross. So this moment with God, this this theophany with God, this moment with Moses and Elijah for Jesus is faith strengthening and it's mission confirming. He'll turn toward Jerusalem. He'll turn toward the cross. And so in order to strengthen him for that journey, for that moment, God shines his glory on Jesus on this mountaintop. This transfiguring moment where God says, yes, all the law, all the prophets, they are pointing to you, Jesus, Son of God, you are the Messiah. And now Jesus knows that he must do what he ultimately must do in order to save humanity. So he takes Peter, James, and John along with him to be on this mountaintop. Just as Peter, James, and John will go with him and the other disciples toward Jerusalem, Peter, James, and John will see Jesus pray with great emotion for his life, and then they will see him die on the cross for their sake and for the world. Friends, I think that you and I are Peter, James, and John in our day. We're those disciples. We've been given close insight. We, we know what Jesus is doing. We know the whole story in ways that they couldn't have known it at the time while it was happening. We know that Jesus is God's Son. We know that He is the Messiah. We know that He is the one to whom all the law and the prophets point. We know that He is full of grace and truth. We know that He has the glory as of the Father's only Son. We also know that He was sent to Jerusalem to die for our sake. So Jesus invites all of us, Peter, James, and John, all disciples, to join in this journey with Him. And our best way of doing that starts on Wednesday. It starts on Ash Wednesday as we travel with Jesus toward Jerusalem during the season of Lent. Lent is this season where we allow God into those spiritual depths, those places of despair, those places of doubt, those places where we are just fed up. We don't try to run from God in those places because, like Elijah, you can't. You can't. And God is already there. God is already there with you. So we hand over those places to God with total raw honesty, 
We hand over those places sometimes with our soul's screams. We, we bring before God those places of pain and sin. We, we name those obstacles that make us want to give up and make us just want to sit down under hopelessness. We do that because we know. We know that God is with us. We know that Jesus had his mountaintop confirmation of God's love and that he still went toward Jerusalem. Think about my faith and yours, and I hope you've had some of those moments before. I hope you've had some kind of theophany, some place where God drew near to you and was clear to you whenever and however that may have happened. I hope you've, you've had those experiences. Maybe they're too difficult to describe in words, but I hope they've been real. From the mountain on the cloud of grace and glory, then Jesus remained faithful and obedient, and he went toward Jerusalem. Our call is to do the same thing during this season of Lent, to remember those experiences where God confirmed his great love for us, but then also to take this journey toward Jerusalem and toward crucifixion, to remember why Jesus went to Jerusalem in the first place, and to examine our own hearts, to examine our own lives and those places within us where we need God's grace more than anything else. Jesus turned his face to Jerusalem and he invites us to go along with him during this season of Lent, to be with him to the very end. Amen. My friends, having now heard the word read and proclaimed, let us now stand as we're able and publicly affirm what it is we believe by reciting in unison the Apostles' Creed printed in our bulletin. So I ask you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. My friends, one of the privileges God gives to his children is permission to approach his throne with boldness and to speak to our Creator God directly. So wherever we are in this moment, let us join our hearts together and speak to God as we pray for our world, our nation, our churches, and our lives. Let us pray. God of grace and mercy, we come before you now as your children and humbly bring to you our prayers this morning. We pray first for your church that through us, enabled by your Spirit, the world would hear your word and believe, 
And may we, your church, show the world your great love, bringing your good news to a world desperately seeking meaning and acceptance. Empower us, your people, to go where we are not comfortable, witnessing your grace, speaking gently, and living hopefully. In the ever-changing and uncertain world where we find ourselves, we pray for all who are in distress, who find themselves overcome with anxiety, who find themselves caught in unhealthy situations. May your peace and your justice prevail. We pray for all those called to lead us, that they would humble themselves before you, turn to you for wisdom and guidance, and lead in ways that heal all peoples and unite all peoples and bring all peoples to you. And guide our nation, we pray, that we may find your path forward to a future in we live out our highest ideals, a future in which past hurts are healed, all lives are valued, and we truly become a beacon for the nations. And we pray today for all those who are sick, grieving or lonely. May they feel your presence with them, and may they be comforted and healed. And we pray for those struggling with questions of faith, seeking you in a world beset with sin. May our words and our actions show them Jesus. And be present with your people as we face an unknown future and as we walk paths untraveled. Help us to know and be assured that you are sovereign, that you are all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present. Calm our hearts and minds and give us hope in you, our only certain hope, that we may find your peace. And may our lives serve your will and show your love. Indeed, we ask that you hold all of us close this day and every day. And we lift our prayers in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. My friends, all that we have and all that we are are gifts to us from Almighty God. If you're watching online, I invite you to go to the giving tab on our church website where you'll find many ways to give. And I invite those of you who are with us in person this morning to find the offering trays as you leave the sanctuary at the end of the service this morning. So my friends, let us now return to God his tithes and our offerings. Let us give with great joy. Amen.
Please bow your heads. As we offer our treasure and our hearts to you, O God, may they be used to pass on the promise of hope, of peace, of life, of community to all in need of your gifts and presence in their lives. Amen. Our charge this morning comes from scripture that we used yesterday at Betty Green's service. At the end of 1 Corinthians, uh, at chapter 16, Paul writes this. He says, keep alert, stand firm in your faith, be courageous and be strong, and let everything you do be done in love. Friends, go out into this world to love and serve the Lord and to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the God of peace Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, both today and forever. Amen.